Good morning, Derwood Bible Church. It's an honor for me to be here this morning with you, bringing God's Word. And before we get started, I have a disclaimer for you. Uh, I am a New Yorker. Do we have any New Yorkers in the house this morning? Vinny, I know you are. If you don't know much about New Yorkers, one thing you do need to know about us is that we are a very aggressive and straight-to-the-point kind of people. Right, Vinny? That's right. So... If I offend you today, please know my heart is not to offend you. Uh, I apologize ahead of time, uh, but please bow your heads with me as we bring the word of God. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning, Lord. Thank you for this word. I, I thank you for Pastor Colin and all that he brings to Durwood Bible Church, Lord. That man is the definition of a shepherd, Lord. You have crafted him and created him to be that way, and we are so grateful for him, Father. Lord, we pray for the Brazil trip as they come back, that you would bless them, uh, Lord, that fruit would come out of the, the ministry that they uh, were giving to you this past week. And Lord, this morning, I pray that you would use me as your vessel, Father, just speak through me and let your word be shown. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Colin reached out to me and asked me if I would tag team this sermon series with him. And uh, I was kind of caught off guard. I said, why me? Why not one of the deacons or the elders? And he said, well, because I want you to show the congregation what a fool is. So here I am. But all joking aside, uh, last week, Colin did show us profiles of, a, of wisdom and he said that the Bible presents two paths. Do you remember what they are? The path for the path for the wise and a path for the fools, the foolish, the folly. Right? You, you will take the path of wisdom or you will take the path of foolishness. You have to. There's no other option. It is one or the other. Believe it or not, the Bible has a lot to say about fools, like it does for wisdom. Five profiles that I'm going to share with you this morning I grabbed from the late Billy Graham. Uh, the first one is the unbelieving fool. The unbelieving fool is known as the atheist. Both Psalm 14.1 and 53.1 say the same thing. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. This fool says there is no God because he is unbelieving. He literally believes that there is no God. There is no explanation for miracles, no trust in the very word that you and I hold so dear to our hearts. He is a fool. The unbeliever cannot explain how or why the Bible is so accurate, nor can he explain how or why science is always trying to come up with answers that are in this word. The word of God says he is a fool. And there are some that we might call a practical atheist. Statistically, some are here right now. These are the people who say they believe in God. They come to church, they pray, they profess that they're believers, but they're not quite sure if God is real or not. The word of God says they are a fool. If that is you this morning, please don't leave this building a fool. We're going to make deacons and elders available at the end for you to talk to. 
Number two is the mocking fool. Proverbs 14.9 reads, Fools mock at sin. Many of us are guilty of this act of foolishness, mocking sin. We mock the very standards that God has laid out for us in the word. Sexual immoralities, lust, greed, divorce, gossip, lying, stealing, cheating, taking the the name of God in vain, cursing his name, just to name a few examples. Luke 16.15 tells us that God knows our hearts and minds and our sins will be found. They are being recorded. Yes, God does forgive the saved, but to those who are not saved, have another thing coming. We are all under the sentence of death. It is only because Jesus Christ came to bear your sins and my sins that we can be forgiven of those filthy sins. Have you done that? Do you do that regularly? Do you confess your sins? Do you ask Jesus to wipe your sins away? Do you live a better life? Trying to live more like Christ like. The word Christian literally means follower of Christ, to be Christ like. Do you do that? Many people think that they can hide their sins here on earth and. You very well may go your whole life hiding your sins from people. But the word of God says, your sins will be found. Numbers 32, 23 says, but if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord. And you may be sure your sins will find you out. The word will, and there is a definite article They will be found from God. There's no hiding sins from God. And if we think that a sin in our life is not that big of a deal, then we are making a mockery of that sin and thereby making a mockery of God. That is acting foolishness, foolishly. If that is you this morning, don't leave here with a mocking heart. Don't do it. Talk to deacons and elders and share with them the sins in your life that you want to start working on now so that Jesus does not call you a fool. Number three is the slandering fool. Proverbs 10.18 says, Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. I've heard from many women that sometimes when they get together in groups, some of the women will begin to slander their husbands. It's called husband bashing. The phrase is coined because it is real. It happens. They are slandering fools. And men, you're not off the chain either. Locker room talk. Another coined phrase because it happens. You too then would be a slandering fool. When Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus, he commands them, saying, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Maybe you've heard people passing along a story or said something that is mean or disgraceful. 
to another person, they would be a slandering fool. This is God's word, amen. Gossip is another big part of not just our culture here in America, but many cultures around the world. We literally have empires like TMZ built around gossip, making tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars every year on gossip alone. Scripture says a lot about gossip. Keeping with our theme here in Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 16.28 and Proverbs 18.8, the first one reads, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. The second one reads, this word, The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. The next time you hear someone gossiping, don't think it's mean or rude or weird to stop it. Know that you, as a Christian, would be meeting the very standards of God. Amen? Amen. Be wise instead of a gossiping fool. In one of his sermons, Billy Graham said, Gossiping is listed in the Bible as one of the worst of all sins, and yet how frequent that's done, even in circles that call themselves Christians. It's a terrible sin in the sight of God, and God says that person is a fool. I think most of us, I hope all of us, wouldn't think about murdering someone. Yet so many of us are guilty of slandering people, of gossiping about people, of saying harsh things about people, tearing them down, or even character assassinating. Jesus says in Matthew 5.21, You have heard them that the ancients were told, You shall not murder, and whoever commits murder shall be answerable to the court. That seems logical, right? We murder, we go to court, we get our life sentence. And Jesus says, but I say to you, these are Jesus' words, he says, I say to you, everyone who has anger, who is angry with his brother, shall be answerable to the court. Meaning, if you have anger toward a brother, if you have malice towards someone, in the eyes of God, you have committed murder. He takes it a step further and he says, And whoever says to his brother, you good for nothing, shall be answerable to the Supreme Court. Now for us, the Supreme Court is the highest court, but we as Christians have another court above, and that is God the Father. Jesus goes further and he says, whoever says, you fool, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Church. Where are our tongues? Do we hold them in regard to what God's word, to God's word? Such people are, Jesus says, are fools. If this is something that you struggle with, be wise and do not leave here today without talking to someone. Number four is the greedy fool. If you want to turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, Colin uh, touched on this last week, but as I was praying over the sermon, this is a hard sermon to give, by the way, to, to, to call it out like this, uh, but this is the gospel. 
I felt the Holy Spirit bringing me back to Luke chapter 12. So I know we talked on it last week, but uh, I feel like God is, is really using this for us today. And I don't know about you, but I, get, I still get goosebumps knowing that we can read the actual words of Jesus. Like, how incredible is that? Luke chapter 12, starting at verse 16. And he, Jesus, told them a parable saying, The land of a rich man was very productive. And he began thinking to himself, What shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? And he said, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And I will store all my grain and all my goods there. And I will say to myself, you have many goods, many goods stored up for many years. Come, relax, eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. Doesn't that sound like part of the American dream? Right? You get the, the house, white picket fence, the 2.5 kids. And then you go to college. You work really hard. You sink your money into stocks and bonds and TSPs and Roth IRAs and regular IRAs and 401ks and and so on, just so we can enjoy, eat, and drink the last 10 years of our lives. Go to verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. This very night your soul is demanded of you, and as for all you have prepared, who will own it now? Such is the one who stores up treasures for himself and is not rich in relation to God. When Beth and I were stationed at Fort Fort Bliss in El Paso, Texas, this is when we first got married, it was... Uh, the first duty station we had, um, we hosted three foreign exchange students for the summer. Two were from Estonia, one was from Poland. The, the kid from Poland, they're like 16 to 18, somewhere there, if I remember correctly. Uh, the kid from Poland, his name translated to English was Iron. That was his name. So he went by Iron. And he literally was. I mean, he was like six foot three or six foot four, like 320 pounds. The kid was just huge. And our first apartment was like 900 square feet. So the, the two skinny uh, Estonians slept on the couch that we had. And, and uh, our Polish friend Iron had to sleep on this two seated couch that we bought from Kmart. Uh, that had a pull-out bed. Now, if you're dropping 150 bucks on a, a couch from Kmart, you know it's not top quality. So Iron, the first night he laid on it, uh, broke it, which was fine. But he continued to sleep in it anyway. And he was so long that his knees would get right to the end of the bed, and his legs would just drop down. <laughs> but these boys, had a, their, their job was to go door-to-door selling books for homeschoolers. Uh, in El Paso. This is a desert. It's right on the border of Juarez, Mexico. It is literally a desert. There's no grass. Everyone has rocks for a yard. Uh, You can Google it. It's really beautiful and unique in its own way. Uh, But these boys had to sell books in the 110 degree heat every day. Every day, even on the weekends. That was part of their job. Well, that was their job. There were three things that stuck out to these Europeans about their experience in America. And the first one was they couldn't believe how many fast food restaurants we had. 
They were amazed. They said it was easier to, to get to a fast food restaurant than it was to get to a house to sell their books. The second thing, I thought this was pretty funny, that stuck out to them was the cheese options we have in our grocery stores. They could not believe the amount of cheese in our grocery stores. So every day, Iron would go to a grocery store to get a new cheese, and he was very, very happy. The third thing, and this was something that I did not realize as an American, uh, but they brought it to my attention, is they said every house they went to had a garage. But nobody could park their cars in their garage. Why do you think that is? Full of stuff. Everyone's garage was full of stuff. They had too much in their house, they moved it into their garage. Like many of us, the rich man in Jesus' parable was more focused on earthly things. He was focused on himself, his wealth, materials, how much he could store up in his barns or his garage, if you will. Now clearly in this story, this man did not have much of a reverence for God. We might even say he totally disregarded God. He easily could have given some of his wealth to uh, church, to the orphans, to the widows. But no, he kept it for himself. And like many of us, this man thought he could buy his own happiness. Now over the years I've met several people who have become wealthy. And they all say the same thing. They all said they, they thought they'd be happier if they had more money. But they found that the opposite was true. They were happier when they had less money. Jesus calls the rich man in his parable a greedy fool. Jesus teaches a lot on wealth. One example is in the Gospel of Matthew. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But store up your, yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Ask yourself, is my garage full? Am I more concerned about the size of my house, what kind of car I drive, what clothes I will or will not wear, what goods I can get from this world? If that's you today, do not leave here a greedy fool, please. Speak to someone, and we'll, we can start working on that. Number five, the last one, is the foolish Christian. Now the Bible is very clear. Jesus says, you fool, over and over. But as we read earlier, I have no place on this earth to call anyone a fool, for I am sent to fire the fiery hell. So, the foolish Christian. After being crucified on the cross, Jesus rose from the dead. He had several appearances. 
And one of those appearances is the road to Emmaus, and this is found in Luke chapter 24. You are more than welcome to follow along if you want to. I'm going to summarize it for you. But again, you're more than welcome to read it yourself. So two men were walking on the road to Emmaus. The Bible says is about seven miles from Jerusalem. Uh, they're walking, and, and Jesus, not as Jesus, after the crucifixion, he appears as someone else. Uh, he, he appears to these men, uh, he approaches and begins to travel with them. And Jesus asks them, what were you talking about? What are you guys discussing? And looking sad, some translations might say downcast. The men reply, we were talking about Jesus, the Nazarene who was crucified. He was a prophet, mighty indeed and in word in the sight of God and all the people. We were hoping it was he who would redeem Israel. They doubted. These men knew Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They heard Jesus' teachings. They, they were believers. They believed Jesus was the Messiah. They believed Jesus would rise from the grave. They believed. But when he did not appear to them immediately after the crucifixion, they doubted. They lost hope. They gave up. They became faithless. They doubted. Jesus replies to these men. He says, how foolish are you? He doesn't ask them, how foolish are you? No, he says, how foolish you are. Jesus said they were being foolish because they knew the words which were spoken beforehand. They, they believed, but because things didn't happen when they wanted them to happen or when they thought they should happen or how they should happen, they doubted. They were foolish Christians. Christians who act foolishly are those who have the word of God, but do not obey it. The word of God says, do not lust, yet Christians struggle with lust. The word of God says, do not have hatred toward a brother, yet Christians hate. Not all. The word of God says, do not commit adultery, yet some Christians fall into that sin. The Word of God lays out guidances for divorce, yet the divorce rate among Christians is the same as a secular world. The Word of God tells us how to conduct a Christian life, yet many Christians go about their own ways, keeping a foot in the world and a foot in the church. These are biblical profiles of a foolish Christians. Christians, we, we have the word of God. We know the word of God. We claim to follow the word of God, and we say we believe in the word of God, yet in our doubt, Jesus says, how foolish you are. If you are a Christian acting foolishly, do not leave here today without repenting. Before the Lord our God, confess your sins and repent. And again, we will have deacons and elders available at the end of the service for you to come forward with that. I conclude with uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, which tells us, 18 through 21, which tells us, 
For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Amen. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the understanding of those who have understanding I will confound. Where, the wise, where is the wise person? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the, in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believed. My grandfather was a, a God-fearing Christian. He had many sayings. One, I remember as a little boy, my whole life, he would say to me, don't be a Christian, be a God-fearing man. Don't be a Christian, be a God-fearing man, is what he spoke into me. He said that because he saw many Christians who were not leading or living a Christ-like life. Another saying that he would often say is, I'd much rather look like a fool to people and be obedient to God than look good to people and be foolish toward God. He understood the consequences of being disobedient, no matter how it would make him look. My question to you today is, which road are you on? Are you willing to be a fool for Christ? Or are you being a fool in the eyes of Christ? Billy Graham said, What this world calls foolish, I call eternal salvation. Are you willing to count this world as foolishness and disregard all that it tells you you have to be? Or are you going to keep one foot in the church and the other in the world? God does not allow it to, for us to have it both ways. There is the path for the wise and a path for the fools. Trying to have it both ways is called being lukewarm. I think many of us have heard this term. God does not like us to be lukewarm. His word says... Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I will vomit you out of my mouth. That should terrify all of us. Don't be vomit. Don't be vomited out of God's mouth. Turn your way today. Become a fool for Christ. Bow your heads with me, please. Jesus. Father, I know many people struggle in life. But Lord, you know our hearts. Many of us struggle, but we struggle with you. Many of us struggle and want to struggle with you, but don't know how to. Lord, you give us profiles of wisdom and of fools because you want us to know your word. As hard as this word may have been for many, Lord, I pray 
that their eyes be open to it, their hearts be open to it, and their ears be open to it. Lord, this is not my word, but your word. I pray that it resonates for all the days to come, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.